privilege it is to join the party that has already begun in the heavens. For you are worthy to be praised. And the circle of beauty that surrounds you invites us, draws us, welcomes us, not because of how good we are, but because of how good you are, God. Thank you that in you we live and move and have our being, that you offer grace and mercy abundantly and freely if only we ask. And so, God, I pray that even now you would continue to remind us of how good you are and how loved we are. So now open our ears, God. Soften our hearts to hear your word afresh and anew again today. Oh God, we love you. And we thank you for the privilege it is to worship. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So let me add my voice of welcome. Uh, my name is Suzanne Vogel. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome those of you who are in the room and those of you who are online, particularly those of you who are here for the first time. We're so grateful that you've joined us this morning. Now, we are coming to the end of a series we've been doing about bridge building. And I did, I'm doing something that I've only done a couple of times in my two decades of ministry. That is, I'm doing a two-part sermon. And so if you missed last week, no worries. I think you can, I think you can hang, although I would encourage you to go back uh, later and listen to it if you would. But we're going to be in Acts 17 for the second week this week. Because last week... Uh, we talked about the account where Paul goes to Athens. And I made the case that Paul spends a lot of time listening before he ever starts speaking. I encouraged us to be the kind of people like Paul who really get to know a people and a place before we start engaging verbally. So we talked about things like, if you'll recall, we talked about things like, paying attention to how different people communicate and listening to their music and watching their shows and doing all these things to help listen deeply. But, because I think love begins with listening, but it doesn't end there. I'm sure some of you have been thinking, okay, so I've been listening, I listen, I listen, do we ever talk about Jesus? And the answer is yes. Yes, we do. We do need to talk about Jesus. And that's why today, I want to invite us to think about how we do that. And so I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and bring uh, a handout, one more handout. I've gotten a little handout happy the last two weeks. I make no apologies, um, because I think this will be helpful. Because I'm going to do something a little different this morning. Normally, we read the passage, then I work to kind of explain it, and then and then I work to apply it and help us apply it together. Well, today, I'm going to flip that. We're going to start with the application, and then we're going to read the passage, and uh, we're going to see how it applies to this, okay? So everybody, as they're passing these out, um, 
I want to acknowledge before I lean too far into the how that I am deeply indebted to Dr. Scott Kermode. Dr. Kermode is at Fuller Seminary. Some of you will remember his name. He's worked with our church in the past. But he's written a book called The Innovative Church that really helped give me language for some of the principles I want to teach you this morning for comfortable and natural ways that we can begin to share the good news with other people, even as we experience it ourselves. So I am going to invite you to follow along with me on the handout because I'm going to try and download a lot of information today that I hope then you will take home and practice. All right? Not if you're still awake. I have not lost you with my handouts. Okay. All right. So... As the handouts get to the back, I'm going to introduce three questions that I want to invite you to be prayerfully thinking about as you walk and talk with different people. Now, I know you're saying, Suzanne, really questions to think about and talk, and yes, I am saying questions to think about and talk about, but the more you practice this, the easier it gets. So I'm going to encourage you, it might feel stiff and wooden initially, but I'm going to encourage you to practice it, and in fact, we're going to practice it this morning, all right? So the first question I want you to be thinking about when you interact with different people is, how does this person experience the longings and the losses that make up the human condition? See, while I want to invite people into the hope of the gospel story, I need to understand their story first. Otherwise, I just end up, you know, generically shouting or speaking truth at people instead of connecting with people. And here's the questions that we get to ask of ourselves and others. What's important to us? See, as you were listening to that music and those books and paying attention to how people communicate, I want you to be listening for the story under the story. What keeps this person up at night? What are the questions that at 2 a.m., the fears or the hopes that race through their mind? Because those are the things that make us human. Dr. Commode calls it the questions that make life worth living and prompt us to ask why living that kind of life is so difficult. Now, there are are different things that keep me up than keep you up, which is why we have to really listen well to each other. For example, some of you may wrestle with questions of purpose. Why am I here on the earth? Does anything really matter? I am not a a purpose person. I love what I do. I feel deep meaning in it. I have questions with identity. At two in the morning, the question that comes to my pillow is, are you good enough? Right? Now, you have different questions that come to you in the middle of the night. But I think the key is that if we are dealing with people and walking with people, then you can be assured they have questions. They have things that they're longing to see come true. They have fears that they are processing because that's what it means to be human. Now, on your handout, I listed some categories of possible questions that a lot of us wrestle with because a lot of 
our common, our questions are common, okay? So there's some examples for you. All right, so does everybody understand? You need to listen for the longings and losses of people. All right, that's the first thing. Second question I want to encourage you to ask. Because see, our hopes and our fears are powerful enough that oftentimes we need stories that help us cope with those longings and those fears and losses. And those stories oftentimes are inadequate to the task. They give us short-term hope, but in the long run, they fail us. Now, what do I mean by, so I want to ask, what are the big lies that keep this person stuck? Now, you might be asking, Suzanne, what do you mean by a big lie? Well, according to Dr. Kermode, the big lie is a distorted story that you and I tell ourselves about how things are, are or how things are supposed to be. The very first big lie that God told was actually in Genesis 3. Some of you will remember this story. Some of you may not be as familiar with it. Right? Adam and Eve are in the garden, and the serpent comes and says to Eve, you won't die. God just is afraid of you. Right? That was the first big lie that God told. But here's the truth. The enemy of our souls is the heart of lies. And so oftentimes we all have big lies that we use to cope and to give us hope in the midst of our fear. For example, let me give you an ex example of one of my big lies. One of my big lies, because of my childhood trauma where I watched my sister get hit by a car, when that happened, I was terrified and I was so afraid that something terrible would happen again that I started to tell this story that if I was good enough, nothing bad would ever happen to me or the people I love. That's a big lie. But it helped me feel in control again. Now you can imagine that lie, well, it keeps me stuck for a long time. Because I am so busy trying to be good enough and work hard enough, and oh, by the way, bad things still happen. So you be, does that help you understand how big lies work? Now, I gave you some examples of big lies in this. For example, some sins are worse than others. That's a big lie. Money will keep me safe. If, if I keep everybody happy, I won't get hurt. Sound familiar to my big lie? Right? Money, power, vacations will make me happy. I'm not worthy of love or care. You can start, you can imagine, right? There are some sort of fundamental level lies that a lot of us believe because they're rampant in our culture. And part of our job, as we listen to people well, is to be attentive to the lies that they have believed. And here's where the good news of the gospel comes in, right? Because Jesus came to upend the lies that keep us in bondage and keep us fearful and keep us stuck. Real hope comes from the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And often, if you pay attention to what Jesus is doing, he's always poking at those big lies, right? He says things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you. 
where he tells these stories that sort of unearth the assumptions and the lies that people have built their lives on. And so our job is to be sensitive to opportunities to share the same truth and hope we've experienced with other people when they begin to realize that the lies aren't working anymore. And they're open to asking, is there something else? So, I want to, I could spend a lot of time unpacking all three of those questions, but I think it's better if we practice asking them to get today. So, at this time, I want to invite Brecken Fick to come up. Brecken has agreed to read scripture, which is a very brave thing to do for adults, much less for uh, a student. So, Brecken is going to read chapter, Acts 17, and we're going to just hone in on Paul's remarks. There you go. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God that made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history in the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. In him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has sent a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Very good. Thank you, Brecken. Can you... Nice job. All right, so hopefully you were starting to ask the three questions. So let's start with question one. What might some of the longings or losses be for the Athenians? And sure enough, we have the answer right up on the screen. There's probably several of them, but for the sake of practice, I'm going to suggest that probably if I'm an Athenian, I want to be right with the gods to keep my family safe and provided for. Does that make sense? That's probably one of their core longings. Now, Linda, hold still. I'm going to make these folks work for a second. Question number two, what are some of the big lies that maybe the Athenians have believed? Okay? Give it some thought a minute. Anybody brave enough they want to venture an answer? A guess? 
Fair enough. That puts you really on the spot. Let's go, let's go to the second one. Things I have made with my own hands will be able to help me. Right? That's what they've done. They've built idols around the city, and they have invested their safety and their future. That's the lie they've been invited to believe. Now, before we judge them too harshly, how many of us do a version of this? Right? We invest all this energy in work. We shop. We go on vacation. We put a lot of energy into footballs, which are a ball. And I know this is blasphemous, but they cannot save us. Right? Starts to sound a little scarily familiar. All right. So, Paul addresses that big lie with hope found in Jesus. I believe that if I could summarize, again, kind of simpli sim simply, what Paul says is there is one God, not many, who doesn't need anything from you, but wants to be found by you. This true God offers you life if you will stop trusting in your idols and trust in Jesus. Make sense? Do you hear it now? The longing, the lie, and the hope in Jesus. Paul builds a bridge, see, between what they long for, life. And then he upends the big lie, and he talks then about the hope only found in Jesus. Now, I think we need a little more practice. So, uh, I want to bring a, an example that's a little closer to home. How many of you have seen the movie The Greatest Showman? Nice, a lot of you. A lot of you haven't, that's okay. Um, all the great movies and stories, I would argue, address the human condition. And they all often end up tackling a big lie. So, for those of you who have not seen this movie, it's based on the life of P.T. Barnum an entertainer whose thirst for fame ends up destroying not only his uh, business world, but also his family. And that's where we're going to pick up this song. It's called From Now On. I'm not going to play the whole thing. So for those of you who are huge fans, you're going to have to just be patient. We're going to play half of it, and it's going to have the lyrics on the screen. So what's your, what's your job as you watch? Listen for the longings and the lies, or the longings and the losses. Pay attention for the big lie, and start thinking about what's the hope found in Jesus. All right, let's play it. I saw the sun begin to dim, and felt that winter wind blow cold. A man learns who was there for him. When the glitter fades and the walls won't hold Cause from that rubble what remains Can only be what's true If all was lost there's more I gained Cause it led me back you 
I drank champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name. But those were someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers. A crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. And from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the lights. From now on, watch, wait until tomorrow starts tonight. It starts tonight. What a great song. <laughs> All right, so what was the longing you heard? Come on. Yeah, to be famous, to have power. And could we actually, I think, add a layer to that? Because I think the longing in this moment is I've blown it. I've destroyed my life. Is a fresh start possible? Could you hear it in the song? Okay, so what's the big lie? Anybody? The big lie, I would argue, is that returning home will save me. Now, this is a beautiful example of how some of the sneakiest lies are half-truths, right? Going home to his family and to his Work family is actually a good thing. Will it save him? No. He's not even assured that his family will welcome him back. See, this is where, right, the deepest truth and the deepest reality is that our truest home is found in God, who promises if we return to Jesus, we receive a fresh start. Make sense? And by the way, that song, if you listen through that lens, is one of the best pictures of repentance you will ever hear. It's gorgeous. So hopefully by now you're getting the hang of this. And truthfully, you're going to need to practice. Only guess who the best person to practice on is? You. Because, by the way, just becomes you, because you become a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you never believe any more big lies. Doesn't mean that you quit longing or have losses. And if you will be attentive to your own longings and the big lies that you end up dealing with, well, it, it'll make you more attentive to the hope you can bring to others through Jesus. You can raise your hand and say things like, me too. 
you can model living a life that allows Jesus to transform you and bring you into new life so that then you have real answers to give the people around you. Friends, it's only when we taste and see the goodness of God that we can speak powerfully and testify to that in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray that even now, I suspect that some of us are feeling convicted of our own lies that we've believed. And so I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, remind us that truth is found in you, in your word, in your truth, in the power of who Jesus is and was and evermore will be. So Holy Spirit, be at work among us again today. And then we lift to you people around us who we love, who we see caught and stuck and trapped. And I pray that you would keep opening doors for us to be the kind of people who can speak the hope found in Jesus. Give us sensitivity. Give us courage. May our lives and our words point to the reality of who you are and the reality of what you have done in our lives before we and as we point people to you. May we ground ourselves in your goodness and point people to you. In Jesus' name. <laughs>